We always have such a sweet time of fellowship. Well, Pastor Ross and actually Barb have been sick in bed, actually, with fevers, and so that's why they're not joining us tonight, and so uh, we'll, we'll, you know, take some time to pray for them. Um, Actually, Ross came into the office because he's actually doing a memorial service tomorrow, and uh, so he had to get some resources from that, and he looked okay, but he didn't sound good at all. I think I, I think his lungs still laying out in his office there next to his desk. He was coughing and something was coming out, so so we'll pray for them. We're going we're gonna to look at Acts chapter 2 tonight, if you want to turn to Acts chapter 2, and as you're turning there, we'll go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. We thank you for your word, Lord, because it teaches us about who you are and, and who we are, Lord, and how we can have a relationship with you and how, how we can uh, just have abundant life through obeying your word. And Lord, we, we thank you for the time that we're able to spend under it and the resources that you've given us, Lord. We also thank you for our pastor, Lord, and Ross and Barb, and we pray, Lord, that you would anoint them with healing in this time, Lord, that you would restore them to full health, Lord, so that they can resume the the responsibilities and the tasks that you've given them, Lord. Thank you for their faithfulness to serve us here at The Rock, Lord, so so faithfully. And, uh, and Lord, I pray that they take this time, Lord, and, and, and just be refreshed and, and rested up, Lord, to be able to continue to serve and, and to to magnify your name in this place, Lord. So we thank you for them. We look forward to your word and what you have in store for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Acts chapter 2. How many of you guys remember um, learning about the four basic food groups in elementary school? The little pyramid. You guys remember what they were? What the pyramid was? You had, I don't think chocolate was one of them. (laughs) Chocolate. (laughs) <laughs> uh, spam no yeah meat right meat and at the top and then I think there was dairy products and then fruits and vegetables and and grain right at the bottom yeah well candy if you like elf right the movie elf us elves try to stick to the four basic food groups yeah candy candy canes candy corn and syrup Well, tonight in Acts chapter 2, we're going to look at kind of the four basic uh, principles or, I guess, standards that, we would, that you would see in a healthy church in Acts chapter 2. And so, let's go ahead and start, begin actually Acts chapter 2 and verse 42 through 47. We'll look at the passage here. Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. It says, They devoted themselves, we'll get to who they is in a minute. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. 
So we're going to look at, in this devotion tonight, kind of two points, two main points, and thinking along, along the lines of, of food, the four basic food groups. Um, the two points, the first one being the ingredients for a healthy church. The ingredients for a healthy church. And we'll look at those four things in depth a little more. And the second point, the enjoyment of a healthy church. So the ingredients of a healthy church and then resulting in the enjoyment of a healthy church. The ingredients, the Bible lists four of them right here in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Now they, if you guys remember in Acts, actually we have, a, we have an Acts class going on right now. and We just learned this part uh, of Acts chapter 2 and 3, most of it on Sunday night, and that's been wonderful. We have about 25 people coming out for that. Um, But they is referring to what was happening here in Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2. If you remember, after Jesus ascended, the disciples regularly met for prayer in the upper room, and it said there was about 120 of them meeting up there. And then during this time, uh, on the day of Pentecost... Uh, the promised Holy Spirit that, that, that God had promised, Jesus had promised the Father would send, came on the day of Pentecost, and people were filled with the Spirit, and they started talking in tongues, and everybody was understanding each other in their own languages. And subsequent to this, Peter, now filled with the Holy Spirit, no longer a coward and kind of denying Christ like he did in the Gospels, but now empowered by the presence of the Holy Spirit in his life, stands up and boldly proclaims the Gospel. Uh, even to those who had Jesus crucified. And he stands up and he proclaims the gospel, and it says about 3,000 people got saved that day. And so they is referring to the 3,000, or the about the 3,000, and also the 120 original disciples that met in the upper room. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So let's look at these things a little bit more here. First of all, notice it says they devoted themselves you know, the early church wasn't interested in anything necessarily besides these four things. And if they, if they were interested, they put that aside because they considered these things to be their priority. The apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread. The apostles', the apostles teaching. What was their teaching? It was to obey everything Jesus commanded. If you remember in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, Jesus said, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And so they were teaching, the apostles, they were teaching the commands of Jesus Christ. The word, you know, the rest of the the New Testament hadn't been written at this time when the early church started. So they had the Old Testament and the prophecies pointing to Jesus. And they also had Jesus' teachings because they had dwelt with him for three years during his ministry. And my question is, how did the apostles remember everything that Jesus had taught them? I can't even remember a shopping list that my wife gives me, you know, with like five items on it. Milk and bread and what was the other thing? (laughs) Tea, toothpaste, and soap. Hyperallergenic, fragrance-free soap for her sensitive skin. Uh... You know, and that, she gives me that in like two minutes, and she even sends it to me in my phone, and I'm looking, and I don't even know how to get the product she wants, like the certain kind of soap, dial, 
something. I'm in the soap section. I have to call her. Speaking of dial, I dial her number. Call her. You know, and every, every product, I'm calling her and trying to figure out what it is exactly that she wants. As you can tell, I, I dislike shopping very much. Shopping, shopping for gro- grocery shopping is my least favorite thing to do. And then cooking groceries is my second less favorite thing to do. And washing the dishes after I eat the groceries is my third less favorite thing to do. I can't even remember a shopping list. Um, you know, but that's not as important as the commands that the Lord taught. And the disciples were able to remember it because of the Holy Spirit. They were reminded and taught by the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 14 and verse 26, Jesus said, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So the Holy Spirit taught them and reminded them of these things. And even the things they were able to write, the apostles Paul and Peter and John, You know, they wrote these things um, from being prompted and reminded by the Holy Spirit. And uh, the Word of God, you know, the Apostles' teaching, it's really the Lord's teaching. That's what they're teaching, you know. But it was coming from the Apostles because the Lord had ascended and sent the Holy Spirit to teach. And so the Apostles' teaching, the doctrines of God, the teachings of God, the Word of God, this book that you guys hold in your hand, or if you have an iPhone or iPod, the, the database that you hold in your hand, I guess, you know, this is our life, you know, and it's so important. And uh, just, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was worrying about something, a few things, actually. Just, I was just filled with worry. My mind was very distracted. I couldn't concentrate on the things I had to do. And uh, I wanted to just check out. Some, usually what I used to do, I'm trying to train myself not to do this anymore, is I would just check out and, like, watch a movie. And it'd be like a band-aid, you know, for my worry. And then after the movie, I'm thinking about the movie and my worries. And it never really helps, you know. Or I'll play Angry Birds on the iPhone. (laughs) I've downloaded and deleted that game many times, you know. Making lots of money off of me. Well, I don't have to pay for it every time, so that's nice. But Angry Birds, don't download it. Sorry for putting that in your head. Just forget, forget it. Uh, So this time when I was worrying, I just thought, uh, you know, I can't just veg out on something. I need to, to take care of this the way that the Lord wants to. And the Lord was just reminding me of his word. And I was able to just take some time and sit down. And I got into, I have an app on my phone, not Angry Birds, but a Bible memory uh, program uh, where I'm able to select certain topics or verses and, and try to commit them to memory. And the, the scripture that came to my mind, you know, I, I, I knew of it because I'd been in the Word, and I know most of the principles of the Word. And uh, the scripture that came to mind was Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 27, you know, where Jesus says, He says, Therefore, uh, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food? The body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow sow nor reap nor store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And I just memorized that scripture, and I meditated on it. And like in less than five minutes, the Lord was just filling with peace and contentment and joy. And, you know, I didn't even have to try to beat a level on Angry Birds or watch a movie for two hours and then regret that time. You know, it's the Lord's word, the apostles' teaching. You know, as, as we read it and we just spend time in it, the Lord, by His Holy Spirit, just illuminates it in our lives. We're able to apply it to our life, and it's real stuff. This is, 
the real word of God. And it does real work in real people's lives. And so the apostles' teaching, being in the word of God, so important. The second thing that they devoted themselves to was fellowship. And the word fellowship really means to have all things in common. Materially and immaterially. You know, especially the things of God. And uh, we have fellowship with, uh, in many different ways. You know, we have fellowship with other believers. First John chapter 1. And verse 3 says, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And 1 John 1, seven says, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, purifies us from all sin. We also have fellowship with the Father, with God the Father and God the Son. And 1 John 1.3, again, it says, And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 9, it says, God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We also have fellowship with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. You know, Paul finished his second letter to the Corinthians with this salutation. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. That's a beautiful salutation. You know, fellowship is more than the act of going out to grab a burger or to catch a movie. It's more than the act of uh, chatting over coffee or tea. It's more than just simply hanging out. Real fellowship is sharing in the things and the truths of God and in the burdens and joys of fellow believers. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and they also devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. Now this could mean that they were just simply ate together. They, were, they shared meals. They received sustenance from uh, the same food, you know, eating and having the nutrients from uh, the bread and the meals that they were sharing being assimilated to their bodies. You know, you kind of become one, or at least they thought in that culture sometimes that's why they wouldn't eat. You know, the Jews weren't allowed to eat with Gentiles because sharing in fellowship was a really special, or sharing in the breaking of bread and meals was a really special time where you were really connecting with somebody in fellowship. It could also be referring to communion. You know, they would break bread uh, to uh, remember the sacrifice of the Lord and to look forward to His promised return. And uh, we like to eat together. That's why... We're commonly referred to as Calorie Chapel. I mean, look, they have to shut the doors just to separate us from the food, you know, so we can be secluded and not be tempted to go back in there. Um, you know, we, we, have, we also have communion here, as you guys know, on the first Sunday of every month. Uh, that's when we celebrate communion. And uh, just a quick note, you know, that I was thinking of before. Uh, as we look at these principles, you know, these things that the early church did, these four basic elements for success in a church you know they're really natural things it's not so much a checklist of if you do this that and the other you're going to have a successful church it's really if you are truly a believer and you're filled with the joy and peace that the lord gives and this is going to be the natural outcome nobody sat down and said okay these are the things that we're going to do they just started to do it and then fruit came from that and so i wanted to say on the heels of that that you know these one of the reasons i was led to teach this tonight, I believe, is because I see our church doing this. I see our church doing these things, you know. 
And I also see the fruitfulness of doing these things in our, in our fellowship, in our church body. And so I just want to encourage you guys with that. So part of the reason we're talking about these things tonight is just to encourage you guys that we're doing them and, and there's, there's fruit coming from it. And also to encourage you guys to continue doing them and uh, producing, you know, this fruit that comes from these things. And the fourth thing that the um, believers devoted themselves to in the early church was prayer. And uh, the word for prayer here is just really just a general expression or communication to God. You know, worship, um, telling, the, telling the Lord how thankful they were for things. You know, probably asking for direction. Where do we go from here, Lord? What do we do? The early church relied heavily on prayer. You know, we can see that throughout the whole book of Acts and through the, the letters that they were given. And, uh, you know, here, here in this church, it was awesome. A few, let's see, I guess it was about three weeks ago, uh, we had a high school group here on Thursday nights. And Mike D. taught on prayer. We, we finished Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. We're moving into the book of Philippians. And we had a, an intermediate teaching between those two books. And Mike D. taught on prayer. And we had probably, I don't know, it was the first three or four rows filled with high schoolers and volunteers. And uh, Mike D. challenged everybody um, that was in the group. You know, if you're a believer, he had a time where they closed their eyes, they, they bowed their heads. He said, if you're, a belie- if you're not a believer, you know, uh, raise your hand. And he kind of explained that. And... And one person raised their hand, and then he, you know, gave a challenge. Well, now that you, most of you say you're believers, you know, we're going to spend some time in prayer. And um, usually we don't make everybody pray, but considering the teaching and considering, you know, they were professing to be believers, we wanted everybody to pray, and it was awesome. It was so beautiful. Every single person prayed, some of them longer, some of them shorter, you know, different things. But I was overwhelmed with joy just hearing these high schoolers pray and seeing the fruit, you know, of what they'd been learning coming out through their prayers, you know, and their desires uh, that they had on their hearts through their prayer. That was wonderful. We also have a Wednesday evening prayer meeting here, you know, that happens right before church. Jim Simish leads that and then back in the nursery, you know, the Lord, Lord willing, maybe it'll grow. So it'll have to eventually be maybe in the multi-purpose room when we get that or or in the in the sanctuary here. If you want to join and pray, you know, for the service and also for the church, I I welcome you to do that on Wednesdays. I, f- I think the time is at uh, 5.45. Is that right? Yeah, 5.45 on Wednesdays. Come and pray then, you know. I want to continue in prayer. The men's breakfast, when we have it here, we have the men's breakfast. We all veg out on bacon until we want to go into a coma. And then... We come in here and take a nap for now. I'm just kidding. We don't, we don't sleep. We come in here and there's there's a testimony usually that's shared, and then we we break up into groups and have a time of prayer. And uh, there also I wanted to mention the men's breakfast is this Saturday, but it's at Black Bear Diner in Runner Park. So don't forget about that, guys. Nine o'clock down there. So we meet. We have prayer during the men's breakfast. Also the pastors. We meet twice a month on Tuesdays just to talk about things that are going on in the church and to pray for the church. One of those times that the deacons and the ushers join us and we all talk about the things pertaining to the church and we spend some time in prayer, praying for the church. And for all the ministries, I know Josh prays with his team on Wednesday nights before uh, they have youth group. We pray before youth group on Thursdays. We need to rely on the power of prayer. You know, we can't, we can't implement changes in people's lives and our ministries um, you know, from our lives to their lives without the help of the Lord. And we need to be people of prayer. And so the, the early church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And if you want to become more devoted to prayer, here's a step that you can take. You can pray 
that the Lord will uh, develop your prayer life. And then your prayer will be answered right there as you're praying. So you'll see an answer to prayer immediately and it will inspire you to keep praying. The second thing we're going to look at tonight is the enjoyment of a healthy church. The enjoyment of a healthy church. As with most recipes, I hear, that contain the right ingredients, the result for those who partake is usually fulfillment and joy. And let me, let me give you an example. There's a lady in this fellowship. I'm not going to tell you who she is. I'm just going to use her alias that I gave her. Her name is Granny Puckett. Granny Puckett. How many of you guys have ever seen the movie? It's a cartoon. I'm a big cartoon buff. Uh, Hoodwinked. It's a conspiracy theory about Little Red Riding Hood. It's awesome. You should check, you should check it out. Anyways, in Hoodwinked, the granny, you know, in the story of Little Red Riding Hood, her name's Granny Puckett, and she's the goody lady. And she kind of lives this double-sided life, but I'll talk about that, you know, some other point. We can, we can talk about Hoodwinked. Uh, but the point is, is that the goody lady, Granny Puckett, is an alias name for this lady that I've named in the fellowship, and she makes the most delicious desserts. And uh, she hides them for me in my desk area. And so today I got there to my desk and I go to pull out my keyboard tray and right there on my mouse is a bag of cookies. And uh, they're delicious. And so, you know, the result for me when I partake of those cookies is always fulfillment and joy. The ingredients... (laughs) The ingredients for a healthy church, you know... Uh, these four things that, that we looked at in verse 42, they also uh, produce these same results, and we'll see that in the remainder of the passage. You know, The result of their uh, devotion to these things can be looked at under four different headings. And I'll just give you those real fast, so four different things. What was the result of, a, of being devo- devoted to these things? One of them was reverence for God. Reverence for God. The other one, redistribution of goods redistribution of goods thirdly regular gatherings and finally rejoicing and growth so let's look at those things i'm going to read uh, verse 43 it says everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles and so they had this reverence for god and this word awe speaks of reverence or holy fear you know the revelation of god's word to our hearts should cause us Uh, to be filled with awe. And notice how it says everyone. This is really important here. Everyone that was there, you know, all 3,000 or so people were filled with awe at what the Lord was doing. It's really sad when, when the Lord's doing this tremendous work or you share a testimony of what the Lord has done with somebody and their expression, if they're a believer, their their expression is just kind of like, oh, that's nice. You know, kind of like big deal. I had a, a family member who had been a believer for about a year and was very zealous in, in the beginning. And then I had another family member that got saved. And I went to this other family member and said, you never believe what happened. You know, so-and-so got saved. And they're like, oh, good for him. And I was just like, my heart just dropped, you know. Reverence and awe for the work of God in the church and the, and the people's lives. That should be our response. Um, you know, so the question is, are you filled with awe? at what God is doing in our midst, in your life, in your family, and at your job, you know, through, what you, through the ministries that you have and the different places you go. 
Is God working? And if, and, and if he is, are you, are you filled with awe at what he's doing? The early church was. Also, it says wonders and miraculous signs. You know, the, the apostles in the early church, they were able to do these wonders and miraculous signs. Um, part of it was so that their ministry would be validated. Their teaching and authority would be validated in what they were doing. The Lord would kind of put his stamp of approval and say, this is the truth, here you go. They were doing these miraculous signs, you know, and, and just, you know, and the, the Lord still, still works in that way today. And we'll talk about that in just a second. But I want to talk about signs real fast, you know. Uh, we were talking about this in, in the book of Acts the other night. And, and, and there's kind of a, a standard for miracles, biblical miracles. And it kind of fits into a few categories, and I'll just give you three of them. You know, a biblical miracle, whenever you see Jesus do a miracle or the Lord do a miracle, it always fits a purpose, in other words, you know, the guy with the withered hand that Jesus told him to stretch it out and it was healed. He didn't, he didn't like magically give him a new pair of shoes and, and say, you know, be blessed. Uh, he provided the miracle to fit the purpose. You know, there was a need and Jesus met that need. So it always fits a purpose. The miracles always fit a purpose. Also, they're always benevolent. They always are beneficial to somebody. You know, and Jesus... When he was healing, the apostles were healing, you know, healing people from leprosy, healing people from lameness or their sicknesses, their diseases, um, you know, uh, uh, removing uh, demons from those who were demon-possessed. All the work of the miracles, biblical miracles, are all benevolent. And finally, you know, the, one of the, the things also, and the most important one, I think, is that miracles, biblical miracles, they always brought glory to God. They always pointed to God, not to the person doing the miracle. In fact, when people tried to say, oh, wow, you're awesome. How'd you do this? They would say, no, 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 no. You know, don't, un- don't misunderstand me. We're not here to try to glorify ourselves through these workings. This is a work of God. God's doing this. And so they're always, they always brought glory to God, you know. The miracle I see the most today, I mean, I haven't seen a lot of miracles, but I've seen a lot of one kind of miracle, and that's when the Lord turns a sinner into a saint, you know, and I think that's the best kind of miracle to take somebody who has just been lost and destroyed. You know, I think of my life six years ago and and plus, and and man, what what a ruined life. You know, and the Lord, by through His Word and by His Spirit, just came in and and cleaned up and changed things. You know, in my life and any of those any of you guys who have experienced that in your in your life know what I'm talking about and have seen it in other people's lives. That's the real miracle. The Lord changes sinners into saints. The second thing um, that, the, that the church enjoyed as a sign of, of being a healthy church was the redistribution of goods. You know, uh, let me read actually verses 44 through 45. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. They had everything in common. You know, all our resources are the Lord's resources. Uh, when we, and he, the Bible says that He purchased us at a price, you know, first of all, He created us. That was enough. He already owned us through that. And then not, not only that, but then He redeemed us with His blood. So He doubly owns us. So booyah, take that. <laughs> the Lord doubly owns us. Everything that we have and everything that we are is His. And He can use the resources that He's given us he can use them and distribute, distribute them the way that he sees fit. Of course, he always does it with our cooperation. He's not going to force himself upon us in that way. He's a gentleman. You know. 
He wants us to be able to work with Him and to cooperate with Him. And what's going on here in the early church when it says they sold all their stuff and they had everything in common, this isn't uh, to be mistaken for like modern-day communism. And communism, in short, basically communi- communism in, in our uh, society or our governments is basically this. What's yours is mine. That's what communism says. Maybe they have good intentions, but because of the heart of man, this is what it ends up being. What's yours is mine. I think more appropriately, what you know, this has been more appropriately coined. This this working that was going on in the early church is communism. It had everything in common. Communism. Communism says what's mine is yours. It's a much different philosophy, and this is what the, this is the philosophy that the early church has or had, and. Communism, you know, doesn't work because it's tainted by men's greed. Men's greed always comes in and changes it. But communism does work. Communism works because it's tendered by God's grace. And whenever we're working and relying on God's grace, good things come out of that. And, uh, you know, as I was studying this, I was reminded of back in September when Katie and I had our stuff stolen and everything that happened during that time. And just the way that Katie and I were so overwhelmed by the love of the church you know, I told you this before, but I, I, I knew that the church loved us uh, already, and I was content in that. But when this happened and the church just started giving to us, uh, I was able to tangibly see a demonstration of, of the church's love. And it was amazing. I was overwhelmed by that. And, you know, you guys were exercising communism, just freely giving to those who, you know, were in need. I mean, we weren't really in need. You know, we still had things that we needed to live, and you guys still provided for us. And so that's encouraging because if you're providing for those who aren't really in need, it just makes me think how much more are you providing for those who really are in need, right? You are, right? Okay. Provide for those who are in need. That's what the early church did. Um, you know, when God's people give to those in need, they're simply obeying Jesus' command. He said in Luke twelve thirty three, Sell your possessions and give to the poor saying this to his disciples, provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. And so the redistribution of goods, you know, the church, they were just trying to fill, fulfill needs. And, you know, we don't have to take this example and go to the extreme and start selling our stuff. This is kind of how it was working in the beginning. You imagine, you know, these 3,000 people, most of them, or a lot of them at least, were from different countries. They came in to celebrate Pentecost, the Feast of Pentecost, and they became believers, and they were just there, and they didn't really know what to do, and they only brought so much resources for themselves, and there was need, and people were being added to the church, and they were given to the poor, and so there was a time there where this was really appropriate for what was going on in the work of the Lord. You know, it's still appropriate today as well. In our culture, it may work a little differently, but the principle is still the same. And so let's give as people have need. Also, the, four, the third thing uh, that they were enjoying as a healthy church was regular gatherings. Regular gatherings, verse 46. It says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They continued to meet together. Now I've met a lot of Christians, and none, none of you, because you're all here. Thank you for being here, by the way. Uh, who, who a lot of professing Christians who say they don't go to church and they don't feel like they need to go to church. I worship, my relationship with the Lord is private or I'm able to worship on my own. 
you know, and, and I always get discouraged when, when that happens because there's so much that happens in church fellowship and the community, you know. I was just talking to a brother about the importance of being plugged in at a church and being able to have accountability, being able to, you know, have somebody call you when they haven't seen you for a while or if they see that you're going away from the things of the Lord to correct you and try to bring you to repentance and, and to turn you back on the straight and narrow path. You know, also on top of that, a place where you can serve. You can commit to serve in a certain way the needs of the body of Christ and, and use your gifts and abilities to edify the body of Christ. It's important to be in church fellowship. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says, Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as we see the day ap- approaching. So we need to meet in fellowship. They were meeting in their homes to exercise hospitality toward one another. We do this as well. You know, we have home fellowship groups coming up. Our first one, our next one's going to be March 13th, Sunday, the second Sundays of every month, uh, March through November. And uh, so we're gearing up for that. It's just an awesome time to be able to go to a comfortable place. You know, that it's, it's the same people from this church, just a different setting in a home. Uh, you're invited in and you just have food and fellowship and you can talk about the, the Sunday morning message and just have fellowship about, uh, over the things of God. And it's so nice to be able to do that. And we have that home fellowship groups. And so heads up for those. And fourthly, the, f- the final thing uh, that they experienced, that they enjoyed as a healthy church, was rejoicing and growth. Verse 47 It says, actually, the middle of verse 46, it says, They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. You know, that's the fruit of entrusting yourself to God. Like I said before, these things that took place in in verse 42, the things that they devoted themselves, they were just natural things. They were just like, what are we going to do now that we're believers? Well, let's grow in, in the teaching that God has given us through the apostles and through the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, let's um, have fellowship with one another. Now we've been separated to God from the world, and we have this thing that brings us together in unity. I was thinking about this with, you know, my relationship with Ross. What can a bald Jewish guy from the East Coast have in common with a German cowboy from Northern California? And he's like my best friend. You know, and and it's because our identity, our fellowship is in the blood of Christ. And there's there's nothing stronger than that to bring people together than the blood of Christ. They were experiencing this fellowship. I went to a rock concert, I think it was Cutlass, in Sacramento, you know, and I went and there was cowboys on one end, there was uh some gangsters on the other end, there was some uh uh like gothic kind of looking people, there was punk skateboarders. And as they came in and they started like doing the mosh pit thing and just like enjoying the concert, I guess, they just started mingling and it was just like you saw this fellowship going on between these different uh, types of cultures, genres, you know, of these people. And it's just, and I just got overwhelmed by the awesomeness of the Lord. He just breaks those, those barriers. He divides, it says, the, the wall of hostility between people and between us and God through reconciling us through the blood of Christ so amazing. They had glad and sincere hearts. They were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. You know, you know what it's like when you're just you're serving the Lord, 
You, you're being blessed by Him. Maybe not everything's perfect, but you're just, you just know you're in the right place. You're doing the right thing because you're doing it unto the Lord. And you just are filled with that, uh, with, with glad and sincere hearts. And, you know, you, you're praising the Lord and you just seem to have favor with everybody. Everybody's just working together in unity. And those times are just amazing. I love those times. And also the Lord added, the growth part, the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. And now the Lord, it's the Lord's work to add to the church. In 1 Corinthians it says that when we, that we share the gospel, when we minister to people, we plant and we water, but it's, it's the Lord that gives the increase. He's the one that does the work of regeneration by the Spirit, you know. The Lord uses us to bring the message, and through the message, the Holy Spirit is able to convict the heart of a sinner uh, of their sin, and then they're able to have their eyes opened and to receive the forgiveness that God gives. And God comes in and pr- produces salvation in them and starts working, if, it, if it's a work of the Spirit, starts working these interests and these things in their lives. And, uh, you know, the Lord promised to build His church, and that's what He does, and He promised that. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, the Lord, the Lord promised to build His church. You know, and here it is. This is the, one of the, the fruits, one of the, the grapes on the vine, I guess. One of the branches that the Lord has produced. You know, and let's, keep, let's continue producing fruit through this church. Let's continue being devoted to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. All right? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We know, Lord, that you are able to sanctify us, Lord, by your word. You set us apart for your glory, Lord. You uh, have created us through your workmanship, Lord, and you've prepared for us good works uh, in in Christ that we may walk in them and, and fulfill the purposes that you've given us. Lord, your word is so rich. And as we read it and you, Holy Spirit, come into our lives and illuminate the truths of it and apply it to our lives, Lord, we're just so blessed. Just as James said, that if we're doers of the word, we'll be blessed. And so, Lord, we thank you. Help us to be doers of your word, Lord. Help us to put these things into practice. And help us just to rely on you, Lord, through prayer and and through fellowship. And, Lord, thank you for all the blessings you've given us pray for all these things in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. You guys can stand as we uh, have our closing song.